Simnel and Warbeck. How serious a threat was the Yorkist challenge to Henry's rule? Henry was king only because he had defeated the Yorkist king Richard III at Bosworth. The early years of his reign had revealed that risings from Yorkist supporters were almost inevitable, as seen in the Lovell, Stafford and Vaughan incidents in 1486. The Yorkist challenge was serious because Margaret of Burgundy, the sister of Edward IV and Richard III, offered safe haven for Yorkist exiles and was willing to fund enterprises and provide mercenaries to fight against the Tudor state. The lack of Yorkist claimants to the throne should have increased Henry's security, but instead suitable candidates who could impersonate one of the Yorkist princes in the tower were found and this resulted in Simnel's rebellion of 1486 to 1487 and Warbeck's of 1491 to 99. Although it is unlikely that the supporters of these pretenders ever genuinely believed they were who they claimed, they were still able to raise support from Yorkist supporters and also from foreign powers who wanted to destabilise the country. How successfully did Henry deal with the Simnel Rebellion? The challenge of Lambert Simnel, who claimed to be the Earl of Warwick, was a serious threat as it came within a year of Henry seizing the throne. Simnel was able to raise support, first in the Yorkist stronghold of Oxford and then in Ireland, where he was crowned Edward VI. Moreover, he also received support from Margaret of Burgundy, who sent money and a force of 2,000 mercenaries. Although the conspiracy began in the autumn of 1486, Henry was not aware of the rising until early 1487, a further indication of his vulnerable position. Fearful of the support the rebellion might receive in England, Henry offered the rebels a pardon and also paraded the real Earl of Warwick in London to show Simnel was an impostor. However, this did not stop the rebellion, which became more dangerous following the flight of another Yorkist, the Earl of Lincoln, to join the rebels. The Simnel rising became more serious in June when the rebels landed in Lancashire and began to march south. It failed to gain widespread support but still numbered some 8,000 men. There are a number of possible reasons for the lack of popular support. Ordinary people may have been fed up with the chaos of the Wars of the Roses, or may have disliked the Irish force which accompanied Simnel and its reputation for brutality. This did not prevent the rebel army facing Henry at Stoke, near Newark, in June 1487. Although Henry won the battle, it should be viewed in a similar light to Bosworth. A weak claimant to the throne had been able to attract widespread support and bring the king to battle. Just as at Bosworth, many of Henry's men held back from fighting until the outcome appeared clear, and at first that had not been obvious as the royal front line had been put under severe pressure 
by the experienced mercenaries. Victory took three hours, and even then the fate of the monarchy had been decided by a battle whose result could just have easily been reversed. Why did the Warbeck Rising last so long? There is much debate over the origins of the Warbeck Conspiracy. However, as S.B. Crimes argued, it is likely that Warbeck's arrival in Ireland in 1491 was not an accident, but the result of a plan in which Charles VIII of France and Margaret of Burgundy were involved. It was the international dimension to the plot which made it so dangerous, as Henry's relations with France and Scotland were poor, and both countries could use Warbeck to undermine the king's position and exert diplomatic pressure on him not to become too anti-French over their wish to annex Brittany. As with Simnel, the Yorkist element behind the conspiracy was strong. First, Lincoln appeared in the Yorkist stronghold of Ireland. Second, despite the assumption among some Irish that he was the Earl of Warwick, he claimed to be Richard, Duke of York, who had supposedly been murdered in the Tower. This claim added to Henry's difficulties. He could not parade the real Richard, as he was already dead. Warbeck was unable to win large-scale support in Ireland, but he was welcomed at the French court, where he was joined by about 100 Yorkist supporters. The signing of the Treaty of Etaple between England and France in 1492 forced Warbeck to move to Flanders, where he had the support of Margaret. In response, Henry broke off the lucrative cloth trade. His willingness to sacrifice a considerable income showed just how concerned he was. Warbeck also gained the support of the influential Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian, who recognised him as Richard IV. However, Maximilian lacked the financial resources to support Warbeck's plans, and with France more concerned about Italy, Henry was able to act without fear of European intervention. At first, Henry, having obtained knowledge of the conspiracy through his spy network, struck at home and Parliament, passed a series of attainders against those implicated by the plot. Perhaps most worryingly, one of those implicated was Sir William Stanley, a leading courtier, and Lord Chamberlain of the King's household who had helped Henry at Bosworth, indicating that the conspiracy went right to the heart of Henry's court. As a result, when Warbeck landed at Deal in 1495, the local militia was easily able to defeat the invaders without the use of a royal army. Warbeck fled to Ireland, where he failed to capture Waterford. Despite this apparent lack of support, Warbeck was welcomed in Scotland and was married to James IV's cousin. Once again, foreign support prolonged the challenge, and James provided Warbeck with 1,500 troops to invade the northern counties of England. As with the fiasco at Deal in Kent and the failure at Waterford, 
There was a lack of support in northern England for Warbeck, and he was soon forced back to Scotland. This time, however, James abandoned him, preferring the offer of marriage between himself and Henry's daughter Margaret. Despite his previous failure to raise support in Ireland, Warbeck returned there in 1497, but found even less support this time. As a result, Warbeck sailed for England to capitalise on the Cornish Rebellion, but was driven from both Exeter and Taunton and forced to seek sanctuary. Finally, in November 1497, he was persuaded to give himself up. As a foreigner, it would have been difficult to convict him of treason, so Henry allowed him to remain at court. But in 1498, he tried to run away. This time, Henry put him in the tower. While there, it was rumoured he plotted with the Earl of Warwick, and both were subsequently executed. The plot was finally over. Although it had never gained much support in England, and was never able to force Henry into a pitched battle, unlike Simnel, suggesting that Henry's position was more secure than in 1487, it also revealed the desperate situation of the Yorkists in that they were willing to support a pretender. It had dragged on for so long only because of foreign support, but it was an expensive nuisance and embarrassment as the king had been unable to capture Warbeck. Was Henry ever secure from the Yorkist threat? It might be assumed that the defeat of Warbeck signalled the end of the Yorkist challenge, but this was not the case. Although the Earl of Warwick was executed soon after Warbeck, there still remained Edmund de la Pole, who was now the nearest Yorkist claimant. Despite appearing loyal, he was dissatisfied as Henry refused to make him Duke of Suffolk, as his father had been. As a result, he fled to France in 1499, and although he was persuaded to return, he fled again in 1501 to the court of the Holy Roman Emperor, where he was joined by other Yorkists. The situation for Henry soon deteriorated further, as in 1500 his third son, Edmund, died. Then in 1502 his heir, Arthur, died. And finally in 1503 his wife also died. This meant that the future of the dynasty was dependent entirely upon the survival of the ten-year-old Prince Henry. It was therefore not surprising that the king imprisoned the Suffolk family that remained in England, and Parliament in 1504 passed 51 Acts of Attainder, many against those with Suffolk connections. This was the largest number passed by any Parliament in his reign, suggesting that, far from Henry's security increasing, it was on the decrease. His concern for the security of the dynasty was given further credence by a reported conversation at Calais, in which the succession was discussed. Some of them spoke of my Lord of Buckingham, saying that he was a nobleman and would be royal ruler. Others who were there spoke in a similar manner about your traitor, Edmund de la Pole, but none of them spoke of my Lord Prince Henry.
It was only in 1506 that it can be argued Henry felt secure. In that year, storms forced Philip of Burgundy to land in England, and Henry was able to persuade him to hand over Suffolk on the condition his life was spared. As a result, there were few Yorkists left, and Henry's methods of government ensured that they remained loyal. Although Henry was not secure until the last years of his reign, it can be argued that after Simnel he was never seriously challenged. However, at the time it was not obvious that the Battle of Stoke signified the end of the Wars of the Roses, and that the Tudor dynasty would survive for over 100 years. A pretender had been able to raise enough support to force the king into battle, and even the Cornish tax rebellion had been able to move across the whole country and reach London before being defeated. This unrest was largely the result of his seizure of the throne by force and a realisation that his claim was weak. If he could take the throne by force, so could others, particularly with foreign help.